Welcome to the Centerpoint Church podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. This week's Easter message comes from Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20, where Jesus asks us the question, Who do you say that I am? If I was to say, He is risen, what would you say? He is risen. He is risen. risen Good job. Not bad. Really, really good. He's risen. risen Now I need to remember that I told you to follow me. It is so great to be with you. My name is Chris Godfordson, and I get to serve Centerpoint Church as the campus pastor for this location in Sioux Center, Iowa. And I can't tell you how excited I am to get to hang out with you today, to tell the story over and over and over again. He is risen, friends. He's risen indeed. And there are no words that are more true or more powerful that have ever been spoken. No words that are more true or more powerful that have ever been spoken. And so if we say he has risen, he has risen indeed, then I have a question for you. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Now, we're we're in a series called The Questions of Jesus, and over the course of the last several weeks, we have paid attention to a lot of questions that Jesus asked. So if, if you're new or if you're visiting, if this is the first time you've been here, Jesus asks a ton of questions in the gospel. So if you read the scriptures, you're going to notice that Jesus asks a ton of questions. He was really good at it, this, this question-asking thing. And over the course of the last couple of days, I mean, it's been quite a week around here, So I don't know if you've been with us, if if you haven't, all of that is just fine. But on Thursday night, Jesus asked us this question, do you understand what I've done for you? He had been hanging out with his friends in this upper room. They had had supper together. And and then Jesus did something that only Jesus would do. He got down on his knees, he humbled himself, and he washed the feet of his people, of his closest friends. It's not something that a king does but it's something that our king did. And then on Friday, when all went dark and Jesus is on a cross, he's nailed there and and everybody's left, even the people that just had supper with him. And he washed their feet and they they were washed and they were well fed and, and then they bailed. So Jesus didn't ask any question of anybody there. Jesus asked the question of the Lord. And the question was this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if we sit with that question and if we've said, he has risen, he has risen indeed, I wonder what the answer to that question would be for us. Because any time that Jesus asks us questions, if we're close enough to hear him, and if we're quiet enough to listen, and if we're curious enough to wonder what it is that Jesus would have for us, we ask ourselves this, do you realize that it was you? 
Do you realize it was your sin that nailed him there? Do you realize that it was your sin and that it was you that Jesus died for? And do you realize it's Jesus who has conquered death for you? Do you realize that? This is a time when you can say, yes, this means yes. Do you realize that Jesus conquered death for you? And if so, then we're able to say, he has risen. He is risen indeed. And I know, I know I get it. I mean, question after question after question, that's what you get for me. So if you're new and visiting, uh, we love that. And keep coming back because we're going to keep asking questions. And as we turn to our text today, here's what I'm curious about. Where are you? I know you're physically here. I get that. I mean, but where are you in proximity to Jesus? Because proximity matters. We're all somewhere as it relates to Jesus, but where are you? And in and, and, and all of our celebrating, it, because this is the best day ever, Resurrection Sunday is the day. It's the best day. But I'm also present to the fact that some of us are here, and we are here for the first time without somebody we deeply love. That's true. Others are observing Easter this Sunday morning while you're fighting for your life. And others um, are, are painfully aware that tomorrow, manana, our tax payments are due. I mean, that's true. We're in this space. We know that that's there. And others can't quite kick that addiction. I don't know where you are in proximity to Jesus, but I want to tell you he has risen. He has risen indeed. And wherever you are, it's a great opportunity this day, right now, today, to get present to where you are, to be curious because Jesus has conquered sin and death, and Jesus has a question for us today. Who do you say I am? And we're going to be hanging out in the Gospel of Matthew this morning, so if you want to open a Bible or the Pew Bible, or if you want to throw open your preferred electronic device to Matthew chapter 16, that's where we're going to be spending our time. And as you get there, I invite you to pray with me. Let's pray. God, you know that I keep asking you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. I pray also that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened in order that we know the hope to which you have called us, the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints, and that incomparably great power for us who believe that resurrection power that you exerted when you raised Christ from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly realms. God, it's that power that will provide us with a little wisdom and revelation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. Hear these words from the book that we love. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked. But what about you? Who do you say I am? 
Simon Peter answered, You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Who do you say I am? This is a $64,000 question. Who do you say I am? And the $64,000 question comes from some quiz show in the, in the 1940s. If you haven't heard that phrase before, it's probably worth like $936,000 now. But the $64,000 question is this. Who do you say I am? Now we know that if Jesus is anything, Jesus is clear about who he is and what his mission is. Jesus was the most self-defined human that ever walked the face of the earth. And Jesus has great desires for all of humanity, including these people that have, he spent so much time with. Jesus loves these people dip, uh, deeply. He spent the past three years of his life with these people. He's discipling them as they go, as they live their lives, and he's been teaching them the things of God. Now, at this point in history, they arrive at Caesarea Philippi, and he leads with an interesting question. Who do the people say the Son of Man is? Now, he's been calling himself the Son of Man all along, at every stop, he proclaims himself to be the Son of Man. And, and people have said all kinds of things about Jesus. Some of the things that people say about Jesus, they say things, they believe things. They believe that he was just a good teacher. They believe that uh, he was a healer. And some said that he was a healer and a miracle worker. And my personal favorite, some of us say that Jesus is our co-pilot. Right? Have you heard that one? Have you heard that Jesus is my co-pilot? It's not in the scriptures, but, but they are words that people say. Our text tells us this morning that some said that he was John the Baptist or that he was Elijah. And Jesus is like, yeah, I know that. I mean, I know what they've been saying. I've heard all of those things. I've even heard worse things than those things. But what Jesus is asking today, what he was asking his disciples in that moment, and what he is asking us is this, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Now, Jesus has poured out his heart and his soul to these people. Jesus has poured out his heart and his soul to us. And he calls them friends because he's taught them everything his father sent him to teach them. Is Jesus just a good teacher? They've been present for miracles and healings. They've even played a part in some of these kinds of things. They've, the disciples have healed and such. They've done miracles. Is, is he a healer like the other healers of the day? Or is, or is Jesus the Savior of the world? And if Jesus is the Savior of the world, is Jesus also your Lord? 
Because there's a difference between Jesus just being Savior and Jesus being both Savior and Lord. And enter our friend Peter. Maybe you're new to this thing of faith, but, but Peter is brash, he's in, impetuous, he's, he just gets after it, um, he believes, and then he go, just runs around and does crazy stuff. This is what Peter does. I love Peter. And if we look at Peter, because we've looked at him a lot in this series, Peter was almost always around when Jesus asked questions. So we know that Peter just jumps in and he runs about doing crazy stuff. And this time, though, in his anxiety, Peter actually nails it. The question is asked, who do you say I am? And Peter responds with this, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Peter knew this. He knew this on Thursday night. He knew this on Friday. And then he denied he knew him at all. Three times. I mean, Peter knew Jesus was the Messiah intellectually, but he didn't really know what he was saying when he said that Jesus was the Messiah. I mean, he had a, he had a picture in his mind of what it was supposed to look like. Jesus was supposed to be the one that would redeem all Israel. Jesus was the one who would take over the Roman Empire and that he would rule among them. But friends, Jesus did something way greater than that. Jesus died was raised from the dead so that we might have life and, and have it to the full that we would not be eternally separated from God the Father, but we would be in relationship with him forever and ever and ever. For all of us who believe, Jesus lived to die for you and for me, that we would not spend eternity that way, but we could spend eternity deeply connected to God. Peter knew this, and yet he didn't know it. It's possible that he knew it in his head, but he didn't have it. He didn't know it in his heart. And I wonder if that's true for some of us. I wonder if we know it in our head, but we might not know it in our heart. Who do you say he is? I mean, do you know things about Jesus? Or, or, or do you know Jesus? Because there's a difference that 18 inches from here to here is pretty significant. It's cavernous for some. Is he convenient to know about Jesus? Is, is, is saying you know Jesus good for business? Is he a helper when you need him? Or a divine vending machine perhaps for the things you want or think you need? I think it's okay for us to be irritated with the question. I was talking to somebody out in the lobby beforehand. I'm like, I'm kind of tired of some of Jesus' questions because it keeps pushing me deeper and deeper and deeper. And I find some things about myself that aren't great. But Jesus wants an answer. Who do you say I am? Now, in context, Jesus asks this questions on the heel of the people around him demanding a sign demanding from Jesus that he would tell them and that he would show them who he is. And Jesus asked the question of his disciples, I think, to help his disciples be prepared. 
So that when they stand their ground in the face of opposition, that they know and are able to say who this Jesus is. When overly religious people encounter him, when people who want to follow the rules, when people want things this way or that way, that his disciples would be prepared to stand their ground. But Jesus also wants his disciples to be clear that when the time came, like it does on Easter Sunday, that we'd be able to say who he is. He was arrested on Thursday night. He was crucified, died, buried on Friday. And today, three, years, three days later, he has risen. The Gospel of Luke tells it this way. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, and be raised again? Then they remembered his words. They remembered Jesus' words. When they came back from the tomb, they, began, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they didn't believe the women, but our boy Peter did. Peter, however, got up and he ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Peter went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Peter did Peter things. He, he, the, when the women come and they tell that all of the people, nobody believes them except Peter. And Peter gets it, but does he get it? And he runs to the tomb. And for the first time, it seems to me, as I, as I sit with this, Peter got curious. He was wrestling with what it was that he just experienced. I mean, Peter knew that Jesus was the Messiah, but now he's trying to make sense of this. He went off by himself, and he started to wonder what is going on here? On, on the one hand, I have the words from Mark's gospel running through my head where Peter was maybe thinking, I believe, but help my unbelief. And on the other hand, I see Peter running it all back. He's playing it back in his mind, and I'm super curious what he thought. Is he really the long-awaited Messiah? Is Jesus the Savior of the world? Is he the fulfiller of all the prophecies? Is it really possible? Did he really take the sin of the world on himself? Did he really make a way where there is no way? Has he defeated sin and death once and for all? And the way I can imagine that Peter asked these questions is because Peter eventually answers them all. And he gets on mission and he altered the course of history. He altered the course of his history and he altered the course of ours. Because we wouldn't be here saying, he has risen, he has risen indeed, if Peter didn't finally get it. And he's left to consider this prophecy that was spoken over him by Jesus. 
Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus does it. Jesus builds the church of Jesus Christ on Peter's shoulders. And we're here today as God's people because of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension. We're here because Christ has risen and because Peter eventually gets it right. And as God's people, here today in 2022, we've been set apart. We've been drawn into this place. We gather here Sunday after Sunday, and and we exist, friends, to make Christ known. We we are Easter people, not just today, but tomorrow and the next day and and in the weeks to come. We're Easter people, friends. Who do you say I am? And I get it, you might be tiring of the questions, but I hope not. Because as you've probably heard the phrase, you know, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Sunday, and Monday's coming. Monday's coming like a freight train, because it's easy to sit here today and to be joyous and, and to celebrate the fact that Jesus has conquered death and has defeated sin, and, and he's risen. But how about tomorrow when that business deal goes south? Or you have to go back to class. Or when the diagnosis comes in. Or the addiction rears its ugly head again. I mean, it it isn't long in the story that we read from the, the Gospel of Matthew this morning. It's not long after this that Peter answers Jesus' question. And then he, Peter is questioned by Jesus and told, get behind me, Satan. It's not very far. This is, what, this is the way life works. And this is the greatest day in all of history. Christ has defeated sin and Christ has conquered death. He's fulfilled all that he said he would. He's made a way where there is no way for us to spend eternity with God the Father. That we may one day stand justified in his presence. Jesus has made it possible to spend all eternity in the presence of the Lord. Can I get an amen about that? But I also want to be clear. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is now, and the kingdom is in the midst of us. N.T. Wright says it like this. Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project Not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. Do you get that? Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project, not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. Friends, this is good news. And we are those people. We are the people in this location in this part of the world that get to colonize the earth with the life of heaven. We are the people who are reaching young families and beyond with gospel-centered truth for the head and the heart. 
that transforms lives and impacts our communities for the sake of Christ, especially those who are new to town and or maybe far from Jesus. We are the people who exist to make Christ known. We are the people focused on knowing Christ, growing together and reaching beyond ourselves. Friends, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's take this good news out with us tomorrow because tomorrow's coming. And I'm wondering who will you say He is? Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we bless you, oh God, that for all that you've done for us, we bless you, Jesus, that you are risen and you are seated at the right hand of God the Father just as you said you would be. We thank you that you have made a way for us, that we, we may have life and life everlasting because of all that you've done. Without the resurrection, this is just news that you died on Friday. But today, we give you thanks that you have risen. The resurrected Jesus is resurrecting us that we would colonize this earth with the life of heaven. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship this Sunday at 930.